0: We're about to get this episode up and running. We're about to get it off uh, off the ground. So I just want to let you know before we do get the episode started that I'll be one of the speakers at the Best Ever Conference. You're going to want to come to the Best Ever Conference, literally best ever conference I've ever been to. Uh, Joe Fairless and Ben Lapitas do a phenomenal job. They and their team do a phenomenal job hosting the Best Ever Conference and they've asked me to be on stage. And because of that, I actually have an offer for you to get your ticket for even a better discount. So it's an extra 25% off of whatever it is today. FYI, this is very important to note, is that the Best Ever Conference, they are raising their prices every single week. I guess the better way to say is is the price is 1200 bucks. But right now it's like half that, but it keeps getting closer and closer to the 1200 bucks. So hurry, hurry and and hop into uh, besteverconference.com. And then what you'll do is you'll put in hashtag blue spruce, hashtag blue spruce. That's the hashtag sign. You're not spelling it out, but that way you can actually get an extra, an additional 25% off your ticket. And I will see you at the best ever conference right here in Denver. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Your source for out of the box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. And welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, AAA, And guess who I'm here with? Mark Cunningham from Denver, Colorado. It's nice to have a local with me. Our office is probably about 15 minutes away from Mark's office. He runs Grace Property Management, and one of the neat things is that recently at the Think Realty gave him the award of Property Manager of the Year, so 2018 Best Property Manager in the entire nation, at least in terms of what Think Realty sees, and I was talking to Mark, and I was saying, Mark, what is it that kind of set you apart? And he said, one of the things is that they have a month-to-month agreement, which is very, very interesting. A lot of the other property managers are there saying, we need to tie you in for a year. You can't leave us. We're going to you know, do whatever we want and you can't leave us. So today, what we're really going to talk about is what if you want to run your own property management? What if you want to manage your own properties? There are four things that you're going to need to do and know in order to do that successfully. And Mark Cunningham's going to help us with that. But before we get started, Mark, can you just tell us why you got involved in real estate? When and why?
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I kind of grew up in, in the real estate property management world. So my dad actually started our company, Grace Management, in 1978. So actually 40 years ago last month. So it was kind of a big deal for us. We just hit our 40-year anniversary. So I was employee number one because I was free child labor. So my dad would have me painting houses and mowing lawns and serving notices and showing properties and doing everything a kid probably should not do. But that kind of really gave me a unique look and view into real estate and into the the property management uh, and business side of things. So I'd I'd work for him in my summers. I went to Colorado State University. I studied finance and real estate. And I got a call from my dad one day after I'd graduated and and he said, hey, I got to hire an agent. Job's yours if you want it. So I jumped at that opportunity. That was about 20 years ago. So we've kind of grown slow and steady since that point. So today we do, uh, we're agents, we're realtors. So we do sales. We do third-party property management. We buy and sell ourselves. So I'm an investor as well. Uh, We kind of follow the opportunity. That's our mantra. We do residential, we do commercial. We've got a team of about 20 folks. Uh, We manage about 800 doors here in the, the Metro Denver area.
0: Excellent. Okay. So of those 800, just let me kind of understand what are you managing? Do you have one 800 plex or 800 houses or somewhere in between?
1: Most of our stuff is single family. So we've got some very small multifamily stuff. Uh, Within that 800, some of that's commercial, uh, but most of it is single family.
0: Perfect. So over the last 40 years, you've learned property management. And what we're going to get into today is what if I wanted to manage my own properties? What would I have to do or know to be able to do it successfully from somebody who has basically 40 years experience, 20 yeah. years licensed and uh, a, lot, a lot longer um, as, uh, as free child labor. All That's right. right. So,
1: so let's get into them. What are the four things? So I think the f- the first question that an individual needs to ask is, you know, gosh, should I hire a P- professional PM or do it myself? And a lot of folks would say, you've got to hire the professional PM. Uh, and, and I get that, but I don't think you have to. I think if you're an individual investor and you want to manage a property, that you should consider it. So don't just default to this idea that every investor needs a professional property manager. So I, I don't think you do need that. But I think the first most important question to ask yourself if you're going to consider managing your own is, do I have the temperament? For it. And by temperament, I mean, what am I going to do when the tenant calls me and says, hey, I can't pay rent this month? Am, am I going to flip out? Am I going to go crazy and start yelling at the guy? Am I going to crawl in a hole and say, oh, well, you know, just do what you can and I'm going to be overly nice? And what we find is landlords that do hire us often find themselves on one extreme of that temperament side of things. They, we all want to be nice, right? It's hard to manage your own property if you're overly sympathetic. And that's a fine line to walk. I, I own properties myself and I have trouble as an experienced property manager when I'm talking to my own tenants because I want to play the nice guy. And if so, I, I don't talk with them. <laughs> I don't manage my own properties. I have my company do it because I know if my tenant calls me and says, Mark, I'm going to pay late this month. Can't you please waive that late fee? I want to be the nice guy and I want to say yes. So my company can play the mean property management company and have that policy in place. But you've got to have the temperaments, number one, to be able to manage.
0: So I want to piggyback off that. I was I started out by managing property. Uh, when I knew, well, actually, I flipped a piece of land, yes. But then when I said, I want to get into multifamily and I want to own multifamily, and this is really what I want to do, I decided that I needed to start managing properties first. So I managed an 18-plex, a four-plex in someone's condo, I was not licensed, but I lived in one of the units and at least in Utah, that is totally fine. You can live in one of the units, be an employee and everything's square. So I did that. And I was pretty good property manager. I brought that that 18plex that we ended up selling it for uh, almost twice of what he paid for it in just one year. And I had to do things like collect rent and and I was kind of a hard day you know I, I did I was kind but kind but with you know carrying a big stick or whatever you would want to say that temperament I had it just fine so I said I've got this and then I went and bought my own multifamily and it was much much harder once it was my own I just like what you said to just a, a moment ago Mark is is when you had your own property and uh, one of your tenants asks you hey can I pay late this this month or whatever it's like ah you want to be the nice guy Mm -hmm. and it actually really really hurt me it actually just I have a old friend somebody who was a friend and now they owe me seven thousand plus dollars they're not a friend anymore and every time that I I tell somebody else how to solve this problem I always say you just don't need to even manage your own properties. But what you're saying is if you know that you have the right temperament, if you know that you can uh, do it well, then maybe it's different. I I also say don't uh, don't rent out to your friends because yeah, I've got somebody who's no longer a friend. But that is is very, very good insight, uh, the temperament, making sure that you know that you'll be able to do it. And it sounds easy at first, but when you're put in the position and your tenant comes up, hey, I can, I can pay you Friday or hey, I'm, it's a really hard month. Can you waive the late fee? Well, as soon as you do those things, then you're kind of getting yourself into trouble. And I think we're going to get into that as well. So
1: yeah. all right,
0: what's, what's yeah. next? Okay, go yeah. ahead.
1: Well, just to comment on one thing you said there, you know, we've had owners that will hire us and they'll come back to us and want to hire us and they'll say, well, I didn't think I needed you because I was renting to a friend. And so therefore, I didn't think I needed you. And that, as you just said, that will come back to bite you so often. So I would say if you're running to a friend, that's when you probably really do need to hire a professional property manager because <laughs> now you're mixing the business with the relationship and that's when it gets really, really sticky. So we've been hired by a lot of owners, clients to, uh, to evict friends, unfortunately, to evict children, to, <laughs> to evict mm-hmm. spouses. Uh, so that's, that's not uncommon.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, temperament. What's next?
1: Second thing would be knowledge. And by knowledge, I mean, do you know your state rules, your state laws? It's getting more and more important to ensure that you're managing a property under the proper guidance of whatever state you're in. Uh, Colorado is becoming more and more of a tenant-friendly state. HUD is becoming more and more active as it relates to fair housing, things that are going on that way. And so it's very important that as if you're going to be an owner, you need to understand what the rules and regs are. So, for example, tenant screening. Right? Owners will often call us up and say, "Well, I want, I want you guys to manage my property," but they'll say, "I want, I, as the owner, I want to be involved in the selection of the tenant," and, and which we don't allow. We say, "You know, we'll tell you when we get it rented, and we'll tell you it is rented, but we don't involve you in the selection." They'll say, "Well, gosh, it's, it's my property. Like, shouldn't I have a say in that? Can't you make an exception?" And so my my pat answer is always, "You know what? I'll tell you what. I'll go ahead and make an exception this one time for you, but I just have one quick question for you. Can you tell me?" how many federally protected classes of tenants there are and what they are. And of course, nobody, they don't know, you know, and if they, if they guessed right though, if they happen to say, well, I think there's seven and they got it right and say, Oh, that's great. Can you tell me the additional protected classes in Colorado? Because you better know that if you're going to be renting to tenants, you better be aware of that. You better be aware that if someone says they have a service animal, you've got to handle that in a specific way. If they have an emotional support animal, which is a big deal right now in our industry that you can't, for example, say, okay, fine, I'll allow it, but I'm going to charge an extra deposit. Well, if they pick up the phone and call HUD, you just lost your property. So mm. there are so many things that, that, that really are the scary side of property management. And I don't want to be a fear monger, but you got to be aware of that stuff. Because if you do something wrong and that tenant gets upset and makes a phone call to the state, to the civil rights division, to HUD, uh, to the department of regulatory agency, any of those places, that is going to be big trouble.
0: So one of the things that I kind of alluded to when we were talking about temperament and when a property uh, tenant comes up to you and says something like, hey, can you waive the late fee? I'm j- it's just hard times. Can you just waive the late fee? If you do that, isn't there something to do with fair housing and what you'd have to do with all your other tenants?
1: Potentially, yeah. So, so the argument is, let's see you have two tenants and they both come in and ask you to waive the late fee. And so for the first one, you're feeling nice and, and you say, no problem, I'll go ahead and waive that. And tenant number two comes in and says, hey, will you waive the late fee? And you think, well, geez, I just waived it on the other one. I can't, I can't do this every time. And you say, no, I'm not gonna waive your late fee. Well, and it just so happens that tenant number two, who you did not waive the late fee on, is a member of, of protected status. So now potentially, you've just committed a, a fair housing violation. And if, that and if that tenant number two finds out that you waived the late fee on tenant number one, and they make a call, to somebody, that is going to open an investigation. So yeah, it is very um, appropriate to say as a policy, we do not waive late fees. Okay. And, and, and in order to abide by fair housing laws, I can't, wa- I'm sorry, but I can't waive your late fee. Perfect.
0: I, I really appreciate you going into that. Let's, before we go to the next one, so we got through temperament, we're talking a little bit about knowledge, but what's another th- what's another piece of knowledge that you know a lot of, uh, self-managing owners mistakenly do in Colorado?
1: One of the things I think would be they don't use the proper documentation for a lease. You don't want to download some lease off the internet. You're going to get yourself in, in big, big trouble by doing that, that type of thing. So use an attorney, have an attorney draw up a lease agreement for you, number one. Number two, you want to make sure that you're using uh, one important addendum that's required by law, uh, which is the lead-based paint addendum. So for any property built prior to 78, the HUD, or excuse me, uh, the feds say you have to have a lead-based paint addendum. You've got to give them a flyer on what lead-based paint is. You have to sign off stating whether you have knowledge of lead-based paint or not. They have to sign off on that. A lot of landlords don't do that. And if you don't do that, the violations that come back to you are are, are very substantial uh, in the form of monetary violations. So get those addendums in place. The third big thing I see that landlords make mistakes on is uh, service animals. They just say, no, we don't take service animals. So you've got to proceed with super caution if you hear those red flags of service animals or emotional support animals. And And I'll give you one more on the security deposit return. In Colorado, we have 30 days per Colorado State Law to return the security deposit of a tenant who is vacated unless your lease specifically states you have 60 days. So you've got 30 or 60, depending on what your lease says. But if you miss that deadline, if you just forget to send out the letter, the security deposit letter, or you miss it by a day, you send it on day 61 instead of day 60 or day 31, Colorado State Law says by missing that deadline, you have forfeited any right to retain any of the security deposit. And you now have to pay treble damages, three times the amount of the deposit back to the tenant. Case closed, nothing else matters. Mm. So if you miss that deadline, even if they owe you ten grand, if they leave and they owe you ten grand, but you think, well, they owe me ten grand, I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna bother sending the deposit return statement. You've you forfeited your right to retain any of that money.
0: And what about if you charge for labor for what you're doing as a mm. landlord, where you say, oh, my time's worth ten or fifteen or twenty dollars an hour?
1: Well, unfortunately, the state of Colorado would disagree, and the state says your time as a landlord is worth exactly zero. So what that means logistically is if, if you're hiring me as a property manager and your property turns over and it goes vacant, you say, uh, Mark, send in a painter to, to paint it. So we send in a painter and the painter charges 500 bucks and it's tenant damage, let's say. So we're going to bill that back to the tenant, $500. If you, Mr. Owner, say, well, you know what? I don't want to pay 500 bucks. I'm going to go in and do it myself. And then I'm just going to bill that $500 back to the tenant. No, no, no. You can't do that because Colorado state law says that your time, if you own it, you may not charge for your time. So if you're in there, you can charge for your materials, but your time would be back billed to the tenant at exactly $0. Doesn't oh, seem real fair, but that's just <laughs> that's just the law.
0: All right, so temperament, very important. Knowledge, very 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 important. What's next?
1: Time. You've got to have the time to be able to invest into your property. Now, depending on how many properties an investor has, depending on the the level of um, activity needed in the property. Is it a multifamily? Is it a single family? What type of property is it? But you have to be able to commit the time needed to your tenant because tenants want things fast. So if the hot water heater stops working and goes out, it is not acceptable for you to get back to them at the end of business. They want to know what's going on. And if you want to keep your tenant in place, you need to make sure that you're being very, very responsive. So so studies show every single year, there's all these surveys done on what makes good tenants move. Why do good tenants leave? These national studies. And the number one reason every year in these surveys that good tenants give for the reason they move when their lease is up is poor service on maintenance. Poor service on maintenance. That means if you as a property owner aren't responsive on maintenance, you're going to lose good tenants. And by losing good tenants, that's going to lead to the biggest expense you're going to have as a landlord, which is turnover, vacancy. You don't want that. So make sure you have the time to devote to your tenants' needs as it's coming up and make sure you have the time to devote to things like turnover. You know, we've had owners that'll say, well, you know, gosh, I don't want to pay for that paint job uh, on a turnover, so I'm going to go in and do it myself, but I can't get to it for two weeks. Well, you just you know, do it, run the numbers. You just lost two weeks' worth of rent on those things. So you've got to make sure that you're able to devote the time to the property when it's vacant. You're able to devote the time to show the property when it's vacant you're able to devote the time to your tenant once the tenant's in place. You can't just place the tenant and forget about it. You gotta be accessible 24 seven.
0: Okay, Mark, I have a question based on this time and the responsiveness and turnover. The first question, the main question that I wanna ask is, what's the average rent of the properties you're managing today? What's the average rent amount?
1: Our average rent's probably 18, 1900 bucks.
0: Okay. So the average rent amount is $1,900, great. What is your average property management fee?
1: It varies a little bit based upon the property, where it's at and all that type of thing, but it's gonna be somewhere between that eight and 10% range.
0: Okay, well, let me do this. So so just to make it easy on me, I'm just gonna go 2,200, is that okay?
1: That's fair enough.
0: Okay. And, and I know that your numbers are better than that, but so just let me just say this. It's 2000 and it's $200. How much does turnover cost a somebody if they don't have the time to be responsive and they have to have a turnover every single year or even more frequently than that? How much is it going to cost them?
1: Well, you, let's, let's look at those numbers. You figure it's probably going to take the, the average time on a turn for most of our... Um, self-managing owners, from what we see, is about 30 to 40 days. So that means from the day the tenant moves out, owner gets in there the next weekend, <laughs> does the work, takes another weekend to get it done, gets property up and listed, shows it a couple times, process some applications, signs a lease, the tenant doesn't move in for another week after that. So it's, it's probably in that 40-day range. And it's, and it's very dependent upon the time of the year as well. So if it's June, it's gonna be less than that. If it's December, it's probably gonna be more than that. So it, it's hard to give an average on that, but they're gonna be looking for, for over one month, which means if your property's renting for two grand a month, that, that 30 days at a minimum, even if you didn't spend a penny on fixing anything, which you will, and if you didn't spend a penny on advertising, which you will, you just lost two grand.
0: Okay, and then what about, all we're talking about now is the loss to lease. Um, what about the additional uh, fix-up costs, carpets, whatever you're going to have to do in order to turn that over? What are the other additional costs for a turnover?
1: Well, the only cost that I think you're going to have each and every time, regardless of the quality of the condition that the property was left in, is the, pro- is the cost to have a locksmith go out and rekey the property. You know, you, and this, we can kind of circle back to the, some of the things you said, uh, common mistakes landlords make. It is not required by Colorado state law to have locks rekeyed between turnovers. It's not required by law, but it is certainly expected and it's the best practice. So mm-hmm. you absolutely want to be changing the locks. So you're going to have, even if the tenant moves out and it's beautiful, you don't need to touch a thing. You're going to want to have that done. Uh, the other thing you're going to want to do is test all the COs, the CO detectors and the smoke detectors. You probably going to want to play, replace batteries in there. So you're going to have those costs at a minimum. Now, Life expectancy for things like carpet, paint, um, it, it's hard to give an average on that because we'll have properties where we go in, if the tenant's been there for 10 years, yeah, we're doing carpet, we're doing paint, when we may have to replace the refrigerator, we're going we're to spend a couple thousand bucks. We've got other units where if tenants move out and they leave it in good condition, we won't spend a penny uh, other than those locks. So... I don't, I don't like committing to a, a, an average on that. It's probably better to use from the, the mathematical side to use the, the mean, you know, <laughs> if we go okay. back to high school math, right? Uh, Cause on some of those deals you're spending a lot of money and on other terms, you're not going to spend anything. But on average, if you're looking at maintenance, what you should expect to spend on maintenance, we always tell our owners to expect to spend one month of rental income per year on maintenance. So if your property is rent for two grand a month, you're probably going to spend, over the course of time, an average of $2,000 a year on maintenance of the property. Now, some years it may be zero, other years it may be more, but over the course of time, that will average out to one month of rent.
0: Okay. So based on some of what you just said, I might be projecting a little bit, and I'm sorry if I am, but it sounds like if you were able to be extremely responsive and fix those water heaters right when they went out that you would often be able to save your 30 to 40 days of rent and you'd be able to save on a locksmith and perhaps the painter and perhaps the cleaner and perhaps the carpet person so if the rent was 2000 a turnover may cost anywhere from 2 to 5000 kind of like a mean two to 5000 and which is already a month or two, maybe a month to three. So if you had a way of being more responsive, if you could really, really do that, you'd, you'd be able to actually save yourself quite a bit of money.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, the, the record we have internally for the longest tenant in one property has been 30 years. We had one tenant and one property for 30 years. So wow. think about that. I mean, if that tenant, compare that to a property where maybe you have a tenant that moves every year. I mean, how much how much money did that owner client save by keeping that tenant in place, keeping them happy, and taking care of them? They literally paid for the guy's mortgage.
0: Awesome. So, with that with that said, if if you're not going to be able to be responsive, you could save yourself quite a bit of money if all you paid was eight or ten percent a month.
1: Absolutely. If okay. you can't be responsive, if you just don't have the time to devote, then absolutely pay the property management company whatever they want, so that. They can avoid some of that turnover, be responsive to the tenant, take care of the tenants because we got to take care of those tenants. Take care of the tenant, keep the tenant happy. That is money well spent if you don't have the time.
0: All right, so we talked about temperament and the, the cost of being nice. We talked about knowledge, which kind of is screening the leases, the 1978 addendum, service animals, security deposit returns on, on time. We talked about time being responsive and how much a turnover really costs What's the fourth thing that we were going to discuss today, Mark?
1: I think the last thing that we tell owners to do, if they're going to manage it themselves, is to be business-minded. You've got to think as if you are, you are a property manager. You are a property management business. You're running a business because it is. At the end of the day, the thing is a business. So you can't come in with the mindset of, "Oh, I've just you know, got this little condo and I'm just going to rent it out. No, 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 no. You are now running a business. And so that means, and some of this encompasses the things we've just talked about, but you've got to bring all of your your business acumen, however deep that is, (laughs) to the process to be sure that you're treating your vendors in a business relationship, you're treating your tenants as if they're in a business relationship, you're treating everybody that goes to the property as if it's a business relationship. Because if you don't treat it as a business relationship, that's where you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to paint yourself in a corner, you're going to make a mistake uh, that's going to cost you. You've got to make sure that you're, you're uh, running it through some type of accounting software, right? You're paying your bills on that software. You're tracking those things. You're keeping track of your expenses. You're giving that to your tax guy. He's running it uh, separately. You're taking advantage of, advantage of depreciation. Got to make sure that you're running it like a business. Otherwise, it's not going to financially pay off the way you want it to pay off.
0: All, all very, very good stuff. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back with one last question. Tell me if this describes you, you purchased a property, okay, a rental for its passive income, and then you realized later that it wasn't really passive, now was it? So there is one solution and that is the only way that I know that you can actually be passive. I'm passively invested in 400 and something doors And uh, I love it. I love those real estate investments of mine because I don't have to do anything. It's the only actual passive investments that I have. And I have hundreds of other doors that I have to work really hard at. It's not really passive. And if you want that solution as well, and if you'd like to partner with Blue Spruce Holdings, we have opportunities right now for accredited investors. So you can go to the show notes and schedule time, book a time just to chat with me and see if becoming an actually (laughs) passive, passive investor works for you and your real estate goals. All right, so we're back. So I was saving this question for the very end. And I think that it'll be a good one to finish on Mark, what's what's the biggest mistake you you see owners make when they're managing their own properties?
1: Yeah, The, the benefit of us is we've been able to work with literally thousands and thousands of investors over a 40 year period. So we've seen what works well, we've seen what property types are wise to invest in, what property types don't work so well, we've seen a lot of investors succeed in big ways, we've seen a lot of investors fail. I would say the one common point of failure For every owner investor we've seen that did fail, they all have one thing in common and it's not intelligence. It's not work ethic. It's not the type of property they bought. It's not what class it is. None of that that matters, but that's not the point of commonality. The point of commonality and failure is over leverage. borrow too much money because things will go wrong. And if you have no, just imagine if you had no debt on a property, if you have no debt on a property, you can withstand just about anything. It may hurt your pocketbook a little bit, but you can battle through it. But if you get a call from a property manager, your property manager, and they say, hey, bad news. And I always tell our clients, look, if you see my number on caller ID, you better sit down because I don't call with good news. So when I call you and I say, hey, bad news, that, that tenant, yeah, they, they walked, they're done. They just walked away. And the hot water heater went out, happened to go out at the same time. And we've got to do carpet, we've got to do paint, and we had to evict him. So we were missing some rent there. So I need a check for eight grand from you. I mean, eventually, if you manage property long enough, you're going to get that call. You're going to have to do that. And if you have no escrow reserve, no cash reserve savings account set aside, and now you're trying to make a mortgage payment on top of that, that you really can't afford, you're going to lose the property. So we encourage all of our investors not to over leverage on this stuff and to have a savings reserve set aside equal to three months worth of rent because eventually you're going to need to dip into that.
0: Love it. Thank you. All right. Leverage. It's not what I thought you'd say, but I love it. I really appreciate it. And I know you have on your website, you've got some free info. So if somebody anywhere in the country wants to kind of understand some of the things that may help them as a a self-managing owner for their properties, you've got a website that they can go to. So could you share that website right now for the listener?
1: Yeah. Our company website is rent. So that's R E N T rent grace. That's our company name, rentgrace.com. And we've got a tab on there. We've got a page we call our learning center and whether clients work with us or not, we want them to be successful. So we have a lot of uh, video tutorial information. We've got some downloads on there where clients can go in and if they're going to self-manage, we will give them a lot of advice on how to still be successful even if you don't work with us. And and, uh, I think a lot of your, your, listeners would find that information useful. It's a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now.
0: Perfect. So, if we want to learn a little bit more about what we can do to protect ourselves as a landlord and self-managing, we go to rentgrace.com. R-E-N-T-G-R-A-C-E.com. And then we find the learning center tab. There's videos and everything. Awesome. Yep. Mark Cunningham. Also, I, let me ask you this. Is your, is your contact information on that website and or do you want to give it out to the listener?
1: Yep, best way to contact us is right through that website.
0: Perfect. All right, I love it. I really appreciate your time. You added a lot of value to me and to the listener. Until next time, Mark, think outside the box. Hey, thank you again for being a loyal listener of this show. I'm humbled that you keep coming and, and listening to more and more episodes. I have a couple of quick things. Number one is I would be just so honored if you would take a moment to go to destinyrescue.org and see how you could join the fight. Another thing is, I want to see you move your business forward. I want to see you starting your own podcast, hosting your own events, starting a meetup group. You know, putting your name out there so that you can raise your equity a little bit easier. And if it, if what it takes for you to really get into that is one-on-one consulting. I will do that for you. I will consult with you to help you get your podcast off the ground. I'll help you and consult with you to help make sure that your meetup becomes one of the best meetups in your city. If you need that help, just reach out to me at adam at realbluespruce.com. That's adam at realbluespruce.com. And for any passive investors out there who have bought rentals and you wanted to do that for the passive income, and then you realize it's not really totally passive there is opportunities that my company has and we're purchasing larger multifamily deals. And with these larger multifamily apartment buildings, these are actually passive type of passive income. And we would love to have that conversation with you. To get that started, you can go into the show notes and grab my calendar and just book a time to to, to chat one-on-one so you can ask me any questions that you would like to. And if it makes it a fit for you to be a real actual passive, passive investor, then I'd love to extend that opportunity to you if you're an accredited investor. And finally, there is the Best Ever Conference, which is coming up, okay? The Best Ever Conference is coming up. And it's literally the Best Ever Conference. It's all about multifamily and self-storage and other types of commercial assets, which is just incredible. It's the best conference that I've ever been to. And Joe Fairless puts that on. I'm gonna be on stage this year. It's on February 22nd and 23rd and you're gonna come anyway so stop waiting because here's the thing every single week every single week the prices go up by like 20 or 30 bucks literally every week the prices go up and up and up so the cheapest time to get your ticket the absolute cheapest time to get the ticket and, I mean, they're going to be kind of expensive anyways. They start at 1200 bucks, And so, right now, they're a little over half price. A little over half price to grab your ticket to the Best Ever Conference. But with that said, I'll be able to give you an extra 25% off that. So, go to besteverconference.com and then put in the promo code hashtag blue spruce okay hashtag blue spruce and then i definitely like to see you there and i know that it's going to help your business again you're probably going to go anyway you may as well save on your ticket by getting it this week because next week it's obviously going to be a little bit more. So besteverconference.com and then put in the promo code, hashtag Blue Screws, and I'd love to see you there. It's going to be in Denver, February 22nd and 23rd. Flights to Denver International Airport are cheap from anywhere. So book your tickets today, book your flight plane flight today as well. And I will see you in Denver at the Best Ever Conference. Talk to you soon. Until next time, think outside the box.